0: Welcome to this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Each week on the show, we cover topics related to building and growing startups in a way that's designed for the rest of us, for the folks who can't move to the big city, can't move to the Silicon Valley, don't want to sacrifice their life or their family to grow a company. We value relentless execution and we have a long-term mindset, so we think in terms of years, not months, maybe even decades. And as such, we don't burn ourselves out by working crazy hours, sacrificing our health, sacrificing our relationships. And this week, I circle back and catch up with Mike Tabor again on his progress and learn about how he's doubling down on Blue Tick. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 461. to Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing startups, whether you've built your fifth startup or you're thinking about your first. I'm Rob, and today with Mike Tabor, we're here to share our experiences to help you avoid the mistakes we've made. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Today's a bit of a longer episode because I find when Mike and I catch up, there's, he just has a lot going on, and the feedback I've heard is not to cut it short. You know, typically our Startups for the Rest of Us episodes have been 25 to 35 minutes over the years. Um, Some of the interviews run a little long and, you know, the conversations with Mike often are, they're just pretty fun. And frankly, I feel like the conversation is valuable. I, I think we touch on a lot of interesting things uh, today that that I know a lot of people are struggling with based on the emails and and tweets and kind of reaches out that, that he and I have been receiving. So I did allow this one to go a little long and I'll see, you know, how I, what I can do in the future to, uh, to keep them a little shorter. I plan to do this about every month to touch base with Mike to keep up on his progress. It gives him enough time to execute on things, for things to change. And, and I really love following the thread of, of any founder. And that's what the show has been for 460 episodes, right? We've always had the teaching aspect. We've had interviews. We've had hot seats. But I think the most compelling thing that keeps people coming back over these years is, is our stories, you know it's following the journeys that we've traveled as entrepreneurs and and it's it's interesting so while I'm gonna continue doing q and a episodes, hot seats, some interviews sprinkled here and there, uh, I do wanna you know touch base with Mike like every three or four episodes, depending on what's going on to hear what he's up to, and to try to dig into both the good and the bad that you know that he's experiencing with that in mind, I am working on a super secret podcast project that i am not quite ready to talk about yet but i've been working on for several months now and just stay tuned to uh to startups for the rest of us because i'll be talking about it on the show once once that's ready to go live in addition, I want to circle back on a topic that we brought up, maybe it was probably 10 or 15 episodes ago. It, it was a desktop Gmail client and switching to that. I had switched to Mailplane and then switched back to, to Gmail. But due to some recent changes with how G Suite and, and forwarding and groups interacts, and those, those aren't changes actually. They've been Google's been doing them for years, but I hadn't realized that I wasn't getting things that were forwarded to, that were sent to Google groups, which is how they do email aliases. I, I won't go into the details. It's all Frankly, kind of boring, uh, but it's kind of irritating. And I've always, uh, you know, just funneled everything into a single Gmail account and then did send as in order to, to appear as if I had, you know, a bunch of email inboxes. But that, that no longer works. It's broken based on how they've, you know, Google has implemented some stuff in G Suite. So I needed a way to have a unified inbox where I can be in a single inbox and I can funnel everything in there, even though it's multiple inboxes that I'm checking. And I went through several providers that do that and I've landed on Airmail, which is a desktop client. And I believe it was 20 bucks, maybe 30, through the Mac App Store. I did try out Kiwi per Adrian Rosebrock's recommendation, but it did not have a unified inbox, and it was just a hard requirement for me given this this current situation. So, just to close that loop, I've been using it for a couple weeks, and it and it's good. I think I'm probably going to keep using it. I do like that it has dark mode, and it has a lot of keyboard shortcuts. It's actually gotten me a little spoiled already with you know, command delete going through the inbox. It's almost like a, a touch interface where I can just swipe, swipe, swipe and, and get rid of email. So, so far so good on airmail. And lastly, I wanted to announce, you you heard it here first, that applications for the next tiny seed batch are going to open up on November 1st. So it's just a couple months out. We'll be following up with more information. If you're on the Tiny Seed email list, you'll hear about that. Go to tinyseed.com and look for you know the place to subscribe to our email list. And, and we'll be updating folks once we have more info on how that is going to go down. But if you're interested in potentially becoming part of batch two of Tiny Seed, be sure your email is on that list. I enjoyed the conversation that I had today with Mike, and we, we cover all kinds of stuff. He went on a personal retreat and really sorted some, some things out, it sounds like, and, and it feels like you know his trajectory has, has really adjusted from uh, the conversation we had back in episode 448. If you haven't listened to episode 448 and 458, those are kind of the lead up. Uh, that's the, it's the start of the story that we're really following today. Um, I'd recommend you, know, you go back and, and check it out. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mike Tabor mike thanks for coming back on the show
1: hi thanks thanks for having me back
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's been been a few weeks since we caught up and i know you know you and i were just talking offline kind of trying to put an outline together for the episode and it sounds like a lot's been going on a lot of progress a lot of interesting interesting things
1: yeah definitely
0: so i think first question is are i'm curious are you still on your social media twitter podcast hiatus
1: I, I am I still haven't logged into either Twitter or Facebook and I I don't know I'm sure that I will in the near future if only to get like Facebook ads up and running and probably like to experiment a little bit with Twitter ads some more cuz I've done that in the past and it can work out well it's just you have to actually dedicate the time to it and you have to log in so I haven't kind of bit the bullet and gone back in though
0: Yeah that's the thing I it's just you know I know that that people build like their entire funnel around being on social media and being a personality. And typically, it's if you're selling info products, that works well. And if you're selling SaaS, it doesn't as much. I'm sure there's a counterexample. But really, to get a SaaS app to mid six or seven figures, you're not going to do that on Twitter. In essence, it can be uh, you know a part of it. But it is such a trip to try to weigh the value, you know, the ROI of, of time and distraction. And frankly, sometimes the stress that it, that it can cause on you.
1: Yeah, I have all of the notifications turned off, whether it's like push notifications or email notifications, like literally everything is turned off for both of them. And I turned on my iPad the other day and I realized that apparently I didn't turn it off there. So it's telling me like, oh, you've got a couple hundred notifications here. And I'm just like, nope, not looking at it.
0: <laughs> not having to uninstall, uninstall. Uh, that's cool. Good. Good. Well, I I I'm curious to see how that feels, you know, if if and when you decide to kind of re-enter reenter that world. I know some folks that just go off permanently. You know, I think like Mark Andreessen's just done. You know, he 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 was known for having these the big tweet storms. There's rumor that like he invented it or something, and I don't I don't know if he did or didn't, but um he would have he would write entire essays on it and then he just started doing likes only and that's how people were tracking him and now he said, Nope, I'm just completely off. So it's kind of a
1: kind of a trip to see that. On my Facebook feed for people who I'm friends with, I have the uh, Tabor household conversations, which is usually various conversations that happen around the house with the kids and wife. And they're fairly entertaining. I've been told by a number of people that that's their most favorite thing to see on Facebook and they love watching that. But I've been keeping track of them separately in like a, a notepad document on my phone so that if I ever go back, I can, I have like probably 40 or 50 of them that I could post. I just haven't logged in.
0: That's cool. So talk to me about your personal retreat. When we last left you, there were some open questions that I had posed in episode 458. And, you know, it was things about thinking about what challenges you wanted to tackle, whether you're going to keep going with blue tick, just there's a lot of stuff. And and we'll cover that today. Part of that, I mean, I threw out an offhand suggestion of, hey, maybe you should do a, you know, a, a personal retreat to think through some of these things. And it sounds like you wound up doing that.
1: Yeah, I did. And it was more of a, a last minute thing just because my wife had had a time on her calendar where she wasn't going to be teaching over the weekend of a particular weekend. So I ended up, uh, she's like, Hey, you should go ahead and take one. So I did. And it was kind of last minute, like I said, and it was really good because I sat down and started looking through my notes and stuff. And I brought my notebooks that I had written in from previous retreats that I had gone on kind of dating back to like 2014. I, so I started before I did anything, else. I really just started looking through what I had previously written down as things to think about and goals and observations and things like that. And I realized that dating back all the way to 2014, one of the biggest things that came out of every single one of them was like, I'm not sleeping well, I need to be able to figure out what's going on. And it's, it was a continuing theme, like every single time. And I haven't taken a retreat since uh, before I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So uh, it was just eye opening to go back and read those things and say, huh, that thing is basically taken care of at this point. But it was just eye opening to see that like, that was just a, a huge recurring theme over and over and over again. And I couldn't get over it or figure out what was going on.
0: Yeah, that is such a trip, man. And, and it's one, I think it is one of the benefits of doing the personal retreats is, or the founder retreats, you know, as, as we like to call them, is that if you do them year after year, and you keep the notes and refer back, you can see patterns, you know, and, and it really gives you this longitudinal view of, I think a lot of us get so caught up in the day to day or looking ahead to the future. I, I'll speak for myself, I don't, frequently look back and try to see patterns, you know, why am I feeling this way? What's causing that? And, and it sounds like knowing how much that's impacted your motivation and your just ability to execute over the past five or more years, I, I think is, is a really good thing to know.
1: Yeah. And I think what it was, I think eye-opening to me was just the fact that I recognized even then how, how much, how detrimental it was to me, but because I couldn't figure out a way to deal with it or figure out what was going on, it just kept continuing to be a problem. And, and what I realized was that most of the time it just snowballs, like I'm not getting enough sleep, so I'm not as productive and I'm not thinking straight. And, you know, then I ended up on various medications for different things that are treating the symptoms, but nothing's really addressing the underlying problem, which just doesn't go away. So then, some of it just masks the problem, and it just makes it so hard to deal with and so hard to move things forward and It did make me realize that you know i'm I've been beating myself up kind of over the past i don't know i'd say six to eight months or so just because like I felt like things weren't moving forward, and I was kind of projecting past Mike on to a current, you know, present day Mike, because I couldn't get past those sleep issues. And it's like, well, wait a second, these things are actually mostly resolved at this point. So I shouldn't be beating myself up over the problems that I used to have and projecting them on myself and continuing to have, you know, like motivation problems or anything like that. It's like each day is a new start. So just use it as that. And since I went on that retreat, actually, things have really, really turned around for me. That's really
0: good to hear, man. I mean, it it really is. I think that's the other, another big benefit of founder retreats is the clarity it can bring you about big decisions or even it sounds like it was like a cleanse and a new start in in a way. Did you use, I'm curious, you know how Sherry wrote uh, the Zen Founder Guide to Founder Retreats. Did you use something like that to help you or do you have kind of your own system now that you've been doing it for so many years?
1: So usually I have enough time in advance of going to be able to write things down and kind of go through some old notes and stuff I have, including the stuff that Sherry had put together. But this time I didn't. So what I did was when I got there on Friday night, I started kind of going through my old notes and I was going to put some stuff together. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I was basically going to go through it. And I feel like I started going through my previous notes first and then realized that that probably wasn't necessary. And it was just because things just popped out at me as kind of glaringly obvious in retrospect, but not while I'm sitting at my desk every day.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. It sounds like you had a lot of long-term things to think about and didn't necessarily need to search for topics to consider. You, know, you, had, you had an ample number of topics to consider just going into the retreat.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So I, I didn't really find that that was an issue. And the personal retreat was pretty revelatory in the first like few hours, to be perfectly honest. It didn't take long for me to kind of start to see what things had been holding me back and why and what my path forward was going to look like. Most of the time I spent was probably just kind of personal reflection on different things, but not necessarily trying to answer those questions. It was just more thinking about the things that had already come up and that I'd already given thought and consideration to that I thought I was going to need to spend a lot more time on during the personal retreat. And it turned out that I just really didn't need to. So it was more just, I I spent most of the time just doing personal reflection more than anything else. And
0: I mean, I have a few questions for you, but I am curious to hear if there are other things that you made decisions on or thought through that I don't ask you. But I mean, the first, these are questions that we had kind of posed or I had posed last couple times we spoke and had said, if you go on a retreat, you should probably consider these. So one of them is, do you want to continue working on BlueTick?
1: And yeah, and the answer to that was yes, absolutely.
0: Hmm. Was that a hard decision to make? Did you think through a lot of of factors or was it kind of like, now this is my gut feel and now I'm going to move on?
1: Well, I I did think about it. I mean, it wasn't just a gut feel. This is the answer that I want to have because, you know, I'm thinking that other people have expectations on me for that. What I really looked at was where is BlueTick today versus where it needs to be. And if, if I were to just toss the whole thing and go on to something else, would it take as long as BlueTick has taken or would there be other risks? And the reality is like, I know that there'd be a lot more risks if I went with something else and it would probably take me just as long because I still have to do all the customer development stuff. And the reality is like, it's a solid product. It's got a lot of things going for it. I just haven't really put all uh, the time and effort needed and focus into the marketing side of things. And having talked to several customers, they like the product. It's just, I need to get more of those customers. And I think that if I were to move on and try to do something else, could I sell the products as is to somebody? Absolutely. like. I've had those conversations with people and I'm sure that I could sell blue Tech as is to somebody if I wanted to, but do I want to start over? And the answer is no. And I don't think that I, the one thing that came to mind was, is this a sunk cost thing that I'm thinking about? Is that why I'm leaning in this direction? And I don't think that it is because I, I thought about that as well. It was, it was actually something that worried me. I probably thought about that more than I thought about like, do I want to continue on this?
0: Yeah, I could see that. Cause that would be the risk, right? And that would be, that was going to, be what I brought up was, do you feel like you have some cost fallacy going on here and, and are chasing after something just because you've spent so many years building it?
1: Yeah, and I, and that's why I spent so much time thinking about that particular question. And I don't think that that's it. I think that there's probably a, a little bit of contribution there for that particular thought. But it's certainly not the, the only thing. I definitely think that there's a lot more that could be done with Bluetick. And there's a lot more value there than I've uncovered. I just haven't gotten there yet.
0: Yeah. And there was another, uh, another thing I had noted down and it was around, you know, you, you raise this, this challenge, this struggle of motivation. And a question I think you posed is like, I'm not super motivated by money right now. It's hard for me to to be motivated to work on this tool and get up every day and do it. What should motivate me? You know, that was the question. And, and so I threw out, oh, you should, you know, go take the Enneagram. And uh, kind of as a joke, but also I think it was helpful for me personally when I took it to have a, a little bit more insight into who I am and what, what drives you. And that's part of, of what it does. Um, it's nice that it's free and it takes like 15 minutes, you know, to take. So I'm curious if you, A, if you took the Enneagram, B, you know, whether that helped or not. And C, like, did you also think about this, this question of what challenge do you want to tackle? What is going to keep you motivated, you know, this week, next week, and next month?
1: Sure. So there's a bunch of things packed into there. Uh, I'll try and, you know keep me on track if I forget any of those things. Uh, totally. I did take it. I didn't realize that there was a free version of it. I paid the ten dollars from the website, and I took it. And in my opinion, it was kind of BS to be perfectly honest. And that that's, was and that's I, totally
0: fair. Like I don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to like foist the enneagram on every and uh, you know on anyone. And I feel like it is. I liked it, but I'm curious to hear why you why you didn't like it or why you, why you think it's it's BS.
1: I think it could be helpful for certain people. The problem is that when I went through it there's, you know, three different steps. The first one is to read these nine paragraphs and then you describe uh, you just like select how much you think the whole thing describes you or not. And then the st- the second step is to go through the ones that describe you the most. And select the ones that you affiliate the most with. I think there were three of them that you had to pick there. And in the first step, I think there were nine different, yeah, there were nine different paragraphs. And like eight of them were ranked exactly the same. So in the second step, I basically had to self completely self classify myself. I'm like, well, that's not real helpful. Like I could have just read all nine paragraphs and then said, which one do I want? It was like, I don't know, it's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard. It kind of had an equal chance of hitting any of them.
0: It, the Enneagram should have been like 40 or 50 one-sentence questions. Is that what you saw? There were no paragraphs when I took it. It was like it would, one sentence, it would describe like, this is how I, you know, when I'm in a situation like this, this is what I do. But it's just one sentence. And I don't even remember if you rank it on a one to five or if it's just this is me or this isn't. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what it is. I think that's all it was. Was yours different? I wonder if you took a different... I think,
1: I think mine was different. Uh, oh, see. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was the wrong one. I don't know. Well, okay. I'll go back and take a look at that. But
0: Yeah, um, let me see if I can find that uh, link to the one I took because that would make more sense, I think.
1: Yeah, anyway, like out of the three steps, like I had to eliminate uh, – There were only one of them. those nine was eliminated after the first step. And then on the second one, I had to pick out of the eight which one I kind of – And that's did. not helpful at all. Oh, yeah, no, that's it sounds the thing. Like,
0: Dude, okay, so I need to go and, and look because I, I bet I still have the link. So forget the Enneagram, then. It's a tangent and, and we'll try to revisit it at some point. But the other two things were, you know, have you thought about the challenge you want to tackle? Have you thought about, or, you know, or really it's, it's what's going to keep you motivated.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's looking outside of what the the thing is that I'm working on cuz I have a I have a tendency to get so engrossed in what I'm working on that I will not look at uh, other things in terms of like my social life or health or anything like that and I kind of realize that when I get down the rabbit hole on certain projects, you know, Autoshark being one of them, BlueTick being another, like there's a point at which I probably cross a threshold where I continue to become all consumed by that. And I, don't, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a bad thing in certain situations, but I think that I let it get the best of me and go too far. And what I really need to do is kind of step back and say, this is a means to an end, not like the end for me. Like this shouldn't be my all consuming life purpose because uh, essentially it's work. Like it's, it is something I'm working on and I do enjoy it, but I can't let it be the only thing that defines me. And I think that that's something else that I've struggled with to some extent where I look at the product itself and if the product is struggling, then I personally struggle because I see it as a reflection of myself and that really shouldn't be the case. So it's more about being able to step back and separate myself and my own, I'll say self value or self worth or whatever from the product itself and how well it's doing versus how well I am doing.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's super important. It's very hard to do. I think I personally drifted in and out of that over the years of being having my entire, like you said, it's like self worth, self confidence, happiness tied to my MRR at times. You know, yes, and if, <laughs> that that can be tough. So, so you said it's outside of that. I think that's a, a a great realization. Easier easier said than done, but a great realization. So, what is it outside of of the app that is going to motivate you?
1: Honestly, like socializing with the people that I know that are in the area. Like I have mentioned this several times in the past where like, you know, I have a weekly meetup with a couple of guys that I play D&D with. And it's a great way for me to uh, get out of the house and away from my desk and away from a computer and away from, away from technology. And uh, I find that it's very helpful and therapeutic for me to be looking forward to that as opposed to looking forward to getting up at five o'clock in the morning and going to work because I really want to work on something. And then it disrupts my sleep because I'm so excited about it. Like the night before being able to back off a little bit from that stuff and look at it and say, look, this is, uh, this is just a means to an end. And it's a means to make a living, not a, an expression of me.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I think that's good. I, I think the thing I'm missing though is because I also played D and D and I read stuff now. I, for the first time in a long time within the past year or two. I've started to read fiction again, a lot of it's graphic novels, but I, I'm doing hobby stuff again. You know, I've given myself permission to do that, but that's how I distract myself so that I don't think about work all the time. Me personally, that's my personality. Mm-hmm. How does, I'm, I'm missing how you're, how going and hang out with friends or playing, you know, playing games or having a hobby is going to motivate you to stick with blue tick every day when it gets hard. Or, or does it, or am I misunderstanding that? Because that's what I'm trying to get at is, you've talked about getting up and like, I'm not motivated to do this. I don't know why I'm doing this. Or you do know why, but it's like, uh, I'm just not that motivated to sit here and work six or eight hour days and crank away on this stuff.
1: I think it's a very subtle thing in that, as I said, like, BlueTick is essentially, if I view it as a means to an end, and that end being I get to go socialize with my friends and do these other things... I can't neglect it and I can't just let things go because if I do, then I won't be able to do those other things. So it becomes a a way for me to create a balancing act that can I let things slide sometimes? Sure, I absolutely can. Can I let them slide forever? Absolutely not because then it puts me in a bad financial position and then I'm stressed out and anxious and I can't focus on what needs to get done. But if I, if I make myself balance those things a little bit more so that I'm not so single-handedly focused just on Bluetick or single-handedly focused on socializing with friends, like if I force that balance, then it helps me to concentrate. Does that make sense?
0: I think so. Is it that taking a break gives your mind a break and that when you come back, you're re-energized rather than basically burning your mind out? Yes. That's what it is? Mm-hmm fascinating. See, I, I totally I get that. I definitely understand the link there. But I, I wonder if this answers the question of the, that I've, I posed earlier of every day you're going to have to get up and there are going to be things you don't want to do dealing with the Google audit and whatever, firing a contractor, hiring a contractor. Maybe it's writing code. Maybe it's marketing. Maybe it's whatever. You're going to have to do some things you don't want to do, some things you're excited about. But how are you going to To push yourself to not sit there and stare at your screen and churn away the time, you know, or whether it's being unproductive because you're churning or whether it's being unproductive because uh, you're unmotivated, you know, to work on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's just more a matter of putting certain systems in place. And I've, one of the things I've recognized is that systems are what really help me stay focused and stay on track and get things done. But at the same time, my personality is such that like, I hate being a cog in a wheel. So, mm. you know, systems in some ways are, it's demotivational to me to have a system, but it's motivational when it works. So it's like I said, it's that balancing act. And one of the issues I had with the taking the Enneagram is that by definition, I think that like, I'm very well balanced in very many ways. I mean, I took, I forget what it was called. It was a test that was given at business software like eight or 10 years ago or something like that and afterwards i i showed it to the person who was giving it i think it was paul Kenny, and he looked at it he's like wow that's extremely balanced like in every direction and he said he hadn't really ever seen that before which is i don't know whether that just speaks to how weird i am or not but it was interesting to see that like i have a lot of empathy and ability to see things in multiple ways and multiple directions and i think that's that's a strength, but at the same time, it can be a downfall because I can easily find myself in a situation where. I'm paralyzed because I'm like, well, if I do it this way, then this will happen. If I do it this other way, then this other thing will happen. And it's just, it's difficult to deal with that. But at the same time, I also have to recognize, hey, you just need to move things forward. You need to make a decision and move on because you can't sit here looking at this forever. And by like time boxing and things like that, that helps me to move things forward when I need to. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it forces that structure, which again, I hate the structure, but I do like the results of it.
0: Yeah. There you go. The hating structure and liking results means that you, uh, you know hopefully can, can plow through it. I think, yeah, it sounds like the motivation will be the results that you see. And I think the other side of that sword or the sharp edge of that is that if you're not seeing m- results, will you become demotivated? You know? yeah. be- because when I think about, again, last time I talked about some people are motivated by money. You know, It's like, well, I want to make enough money that I can support my family or that I never have to work again. And that whether you're seeing results or not, you're still motivated by that, you mm-hmm. know. And and if you're, some people are motivated by this achievement. You know, it's the Jeff Bezos I want to start a billion dollar company, and that you're just motivated to achieve. And whether you're seeing results or not, you do still have that goal that you're hungry for. And and last time we talked about how you know you're like I'm not hungry for anything right now. And so I think probably my main concern is that if you're not hungry for it, are you? if you're not seeing results, are you going to get demotivated?
1: Yeah. I mean, you you do bring up something that it sparked my memory of something that came up during my personal retreat is like, am I running towards something or away from something?
0: Yep. Yep. And that, because it was away from having to work full time.
1: Right, Because right? last time you talked
0: about that you had the Dilbert comic and you said, you know, I don't want to go back because bosses are dumb in essence, right? Or it's a pain in the ass to work for other people. And there's a commute in this and that. And we kind of talked through some things about you should get a job with no commute. You should get a job where the boss is not dumb. I can remove all of
1: those I'm screwed for working for myself there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Boom. <laughs> you know, but yeah, we can remove the that. But yeah, are, are you just running away from working for other people? That's kind of what you were referring to. Are you actually running towards I want to achieve this or just running away from i don't i don't want a full-time job
1: yeah and, and i the sad part is i think it's a mix of both and that's part yeah. of what makes it a, a hard question for me to answer so I don't have a specific answer for that. Like, you know, that's one thing that I did come out of my retreat one about is like, what is it that I, I really want to achieve. And I, I still don't have a, a specific answer for that, but I do know that I want to have a successful SAS application that is going to support me and my family and, you know, at least do reasonably well. And if that means that I can take some time off in the middle of the week, if I want to, then great. I mean, I, there was, I think last week that my wife and I went kids started school last week on Thursday and on, Thursday, we were actually out looking for a new car for her because her Toyota Corolla from 2004 is about to die. So it was nice to be able to just take the time and go do that and get it taken care of to that day because I have that flexibility in my schedule. And if I were working for somebody else, I wouldn't have that. If I didn't have uh, an app that was doing at least reasonably well, I wouldn't be able to do that. And things do come up. I mean, there's bugs and stuff that will come up on occasion that I have to get those fixed. And i had those come up as well last week and it's nice to be able to rearrange my schedule and have the flexibility to move things around and work on it and that's really what i i want out of my future is to be able to have that flexibility
0: sounds like that's that's the thing that is the the one thing that you have referred back to the most is flexibility It's like owning your own time i, I wonder if that's your like your number one motivator
1: and, and it's funny, because it, I think that it is. But at the same time, I also know that, as I said, those systems that I have to put in place sometimes to get things done and move things forward, those are restrictive. So it's very, you know, this, this weird dichotomy between them that like, sometimes I have to go in one direction, and sometimes I have to go in the other.
0: Cool, that's actually helpful for me and I want to revisit that uh, at some point in the future, but I, I just want to hear how that's how all that's panning out. You know, we can circle back in a, in a future conversation such that I want to see what the motivation is and, and if you're not seeing results, you know, if it's still working and if just the drive for flexibility is enough. I also updated the Enneagram link. It's tests.enneagraminstitute.com is the official one. It's $12 to take the test. I will Venmo you twelve dollars, Mike. Go take the test because you didn't you didn't pay for the the other one, did you?
1: I did. It was at enneagramworldwide. dot com.
0: Oh, interesting. See, I wonder when I typed in like take Enneagram online. There's a bunch of places doing it, and you paid for it, and that's what it gave you. I I I think go to Enneagram Institute. That's the I believe those are the folks that developed it. Uh okay. Uh, and. That's at least my rudimentary understanding right now. So. Oh well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyways, it's twelve bucks. Give it a shot because I do think it would. It should be a bunch of like either or questions. It'll it'll make a statement like I would prefer to be viewed as successful or happy. You know, Mm -hmm. or I would prefer to be successful, happy, and then you can say yes, this is me. No, this is me. And some of them have partials. I don't know. So that's what you should see. You should not have to read paragraphs to, to do okay. this. Cool. So let's, let's jump in. I mean, there's a couple other points we were talking about last time that I want to revisit. One is the Google audit things. Yes. The, the chaos that has been the ongoing Google going to block you if you don't get this audit and go through their security process. Update yep. us on that, on that status.
1: Yeah. So I've talked to the, um, two companies that do that. I had two discussions with each of them, worked with both of them. I've selected one that I will be going to. They basically, I was able to work with them on the price a little bit. So it kind of falls at the lower end of the range of 15,000 to well, $75,000 that was originally given. And fortunately it's not, not closer to 75,000, but it is still a five figures. Yeah. So it's, uh, difficult pill to swallow. But at the same time, like it's also, I would say, a motivational factor for me where one thing I've recognized about myself is that I'm a completionist to some extent. So I think that if I were to pay for that and then it would be hard for me to not follow through afterwards cuz that's a huge chunk of money that needs to be paid every year but oh, the other geez, side of it funny. is that it also gives me sort of a defensible moat around blue tick as well like i probably don't have a whole lot to worry about uh, from competitors coming in underneath me yeah. which is kind of a weird situation to be in. I mean, I still have those bigger fish that are above me, but I probably don't need to worry nearly as much about anybody coming in underneath and stealing customers or what have you. Not that I really think that that would happen for a while. And even if it did, it wouldn't make that much of a difference, but it does create a barrier to entry for anybody else who's trying to do similar things.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Anyone who's thinking about just dabbling in it or starting a little side project to do it or wanting to start a little, just a small, small lifestyle business and doesn't really want to go after it is, is going to be deterred. I would be deterred from doing that. It would discourage me from wanting to drop however much it is, I, you know, 20 grand, 30 grand to get in and, and just to get started. I mean, yeah. yeah, so that's a trip. And so was it a hard decision then? to decide whether to do it or not? Because again, this could have been a reason to, sh- literally, if, if they quoted you 75 grand, it would have been a reason to shut the company down. Right. Uh, and we know it's less than that, but when you, as you've gotten towards it, is it, was it a hard decision or was it like, nah, this is once I've decided to do it, I'm also going to suck it up and do this.
1: I think when the initial pricing came in, it was like, gee, I don't know if that's actually going to fly. I'm not sure if I really want to go through and, and do that because it would have been really Hard to swing it. And then, after kind of going back and renegotiating with them, it was much more doable. And yeah, it's probably going to be something that needs to be done each year, but at the same time, it's a SaaS application. There's only going to be so many changes that are between them. You could kind of, they didn't specifically say that there was a, a differential that they would do from one year to the next, but that certainly does factor into it if you go with the same company from one year to the next. And Google could easily change their policies moving forward. And I mean I've I've had this discussion with other people and in my mastermind group where it's just like I think that they are just laying down the law, drawing the line in the sand and saying, Okay, this is what it is and screw anyone that, you know, has to deal with this in the next 18 to 24 months, we'll figure it out before then. And yeah, there's going to be small players that get screwed in that meantime. But oh, well, like we need to protect our company and our users data and in two years out, things will be fine. And I think that's the decision they've made. And yeah, things will change in a couple of years, but probably not dramatically. So
0: yeah, yeah. I, and I like the way you couched it as kind of a motivating factor. There were two times that I really recall having my back to the wall and talk about sunk cost, right? You're talking quite a chunk of money. And when I bought, I bought .NET Invoice for $11,000 and I bought Hittail for $30,000. And those were four or five years apart, but those were very difficult pills for me to swallow. Like it was a lot of money. It was kind of all the money that I had saved up from doing all this consulting on the side. And I had incredibly productive two or three month stretches right after that, because my back was to the wall. And I worked some longer hours. That was one of the seasons where I worked long hours. And a big part of it was I was like, I can't, I I can't have written that check in vain. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to make this work. Again, I I keep saying my back was to the wall, but that's how I feel about it. And And I wonder if you can use this, at least in the short term, as motivation of like, I have to be a good steward of that money and make this worth it.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely that type of person as well. Like some people crack under pressure and I do extremely well under pressure, which is a double edged sword because sometimes I'm a procrastinator to some extent. And in some ways that helps me because I procrastinate and then I get to like this part where, you know, it's do or die and I'm willing to put in the time and effort to make sure that things happen and that, that things work. I mean, I I probably haven't experienced that in a while, but I mean, there's certainly things that I can point back to in my history where like I was, uh, I, so my master's degree, for example, I was coming up to the wire in terms of being able to finish my master's thesis and I was like, they're like, okay, you need to have this done by the end of August. And so I buckled down and I wrote the entire thing in like a month and a half or two months or something like that. And I went back to him and basically got it all done, but it needed to get done and it needed to get done fast. And there was really no other option. Otherwise I was, you know, blowing twenty, twenty-five thousand $25,000 down the drain and I would walk away without without anything to show for it, still having taken those classes and it's just like, I don't, have a, I don't have the degree. Not that it means a whole lot if I'm self-employed, but it was one of those personal accomplishments or achievements that I wanted to have.
0: Yeah, comes back to that extrinsic motivation. It's mm-hmm. really a, a kind of an optimal scenario for you. Cool. A couple more things before we wrap up. I wanted to ask about that untestable sealed.net component. You had made the decision to replace it with a with a different component but you were saying well you got to slot it in among things and i was like look you made the decision just go ahead and do it because it's keeping you back it's technical debt right now right it's a liability yeah. it keeps you from making changes to things where,
1: where does that sit? So I still have not touched that. Most of my time has been spent going back and forth with the vendors on the security audit because just even scheduling a, a meeting with them takes a, like a week. It's a week before it happens, but it's several days of like back and forth and trying to get an answer because they're just busy and they have to slot in conversations when they get a chance. So, right. um, you know, it's kind of a pain in the neck and I've been kind of, stalling on other things to kind of see how that works out because you know obviously if the audit came like it did hold me back to some extent because if the final numbers for the quotes came back at like $75,000 I was just going to walk away but since I didn't it made things a lot easier to get working on other stuff so at this point like I, I do recognize that that needs to get done it's a matter of I don't know, kind of looking at the schedule and seeing like, where can I slot that in in between marketing activities? Because I feel like that's probably more important, but I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on that.
0: When do you feel like you're going to pull out that component?
1: Uh, You know, I think if I get a more detailed, more detailed information from the security company about what I can and can't store, that's probably going to dictate that to some extent because I don't want to get in a position where like I spend all this time and effort like replacing that component so that I can download all the data in the way that I want to only to find out that they come back and say you really shouldn't be storing that or there's yeah. other things that go into it so yeah. it's just like I'm kind of holding off and maybe that's a bad decision but
0: I don't think it is. That's what I would do as well. It sounds like you have a, but there's a bunch of unanswered questions. And until, yeah, you're right with the security audit, they could come back and say anything, right? I mean, they can right. say, so yeah, I would, I would personally also wait on that, but I wouldn't wait on other development or marketing because you can do that kind of stuff right. you know, before then. How is your, your mastermind group is meeting weekly and you have like a pseudo business coach, both those yep. things still going on and, and do you feel like they're working for you?
1: I do. I actually have an email in my inbox right now from the uh, coach I have to reply to today. And then, you know, the meetings have been going on every week and we talk about all kinds of different things from conversion rates to where marketing should be focused or conversations with customers. But I find that the the weekly accountability has been pretty helpful because it kind of forces me to make progress on everything. And part of it's schedule related because I have to make sure that I slot time in for those things, but it's also... What am I looking at next, and then making sure that that 's getting done because i 'm basically committing to each of those things
0: right no it makes that makes a lot of sense. Glad to hear that 's still working out. I do want to touch base periodically and hear more about that. I'm curious. We had a conversation. It was episode 448 where we really dug into this stuff for, for the first time. And I, you had raised a, a concern that you didn't really want to do the spammy cold email. And I threw out an idea of like a warm and ethical cold email, or you could just focus on warm email. Is that still your thinking that you want to kind of focus on something that you feel better about personally? And have you made any strides to make to you know, kind of make that part of reality?
1: I have thought about it quite a bit more, and I had a conversation with a customer that I onboarded a couple of weeks ago, where you know he said that he was like, "Oh, I, w- I definitely want to use BlueTick, and this is what we're doing right now, and I'd like to automate it." And you know, we're using it for cold email. And after going through and and talking to him about how he was doing it, you know, I realized like, "Hey, you're actually doing warm email, not cold email, because they're sending physical mailers and things like that." And it kind of reminded me of one of their original. Thoughts that I had had behind Bluetick was using it as something of a a multi channel marketing campaign. Because if you send somebody something in the physical mail and then send them emails or you send them tweets and things like that, this is like functionality that really hasn't made it into Bluetick yet. But it did, the conversation did remind me that, like, hey, that was the original idea here. It turns cold contacts into warm contacts because they've at least seen your name before and they've heard of you because you've reached them through other channels. And some of it can be automated, like I think Postable probably has an API where you can send direct mailers to people, quote-unquote handwritten notes. They're not actually handwritten, but they look kind of like they are. Uh, Things like that are ones that would probably do well in that type of multi-channel campaign. And there's not a lot of people who are doing that right now. Most of the people that I've seen who are doing that, they do it by hand and it kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that you, it sounds like you've made a decision and you just haven't, you know, because I had talked about like, Changing your website copy and changing your onboarding and even put you'd considered potentially doing like a setup, right? Doing a setup fee and then verifying up front that they are doing stuff that's in line with, with what you want Bluetick to do. Sounds like you haven't moved forward on that, but is that those are still things that you want to put in place?
1: Those are still on my radar. I think the larger challenge or problem that i have is just that i don't have enough traffic that's the biggest thing i don't think that adding in a setup fee or something like that that's not really going to move the needle for me at least not right now but i if i were to you know triple traffic for example that type of thing is i won't say easily attainable but it's probably something that would move the needle for me a lot more than adding in a, a setup fee
0: right and I think as, as we wrap up, you know, there's still this open question of how to differentiate BlueTick. Like how are you going to make it different from the other tools that I could go out and, and essentially do the same thing with? Have you given that more thought?
1: I've given it some thought. I wouldn't say that I have any concrete conclusions on that. One of the things I have seen is the people who are most successful with Bluetick are the ones that are integrating it into their marketing and sales pipelines. So I think that the the integrating Bluetick into other products directly would allow it to have a, a tighter integration into other people's marketing and sales funnels. And integrating into other tools directly is, I think, the probably the most straightforward way to do that, because most of these tools that are like BlueTick have an API of some kind, and you can upload stuff. But it's really the, those integrations that are going to basically keep people around and keep churn low. And if I can keep churn really low, then I don't really have to, I don't have to worry about growing the product as quickly to counter that churn.
0: That's true. I agree with all that, actually. But,
1: but it doesn't the, directly answer the question. Either. Yeah, which
0: was differentiation. <laughs> do those integrations differentiate you, or do your competitors have some or
1: all of those? I think most of them have a Zapier integration of some kind. I haven't looked in depth enough at them. I do have a somebody that I hired to help me out with marketing. They'll probably start next later this week or next week. But that's something that I'll probably look at a little bit more to do kind of a more in-depth competitive analysis to see like, what markets do these people serve and why? And is there a place where Bluetick can fit into those and kind of really shine as opposed to where it currently is, which you're right. You're absolutely right. It doesn't really have any major differentiating feature other than I can offer direct support and you're going to talk to the developer if you've got a problem. Right. And yeah, there's some value to that, but I don't think that it's enough to overcome you know the challenges that it has by not being able to be differentiated easily.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I think I've used the phrase picking up crumbs a few times, where if you really are similar to most of the other tools in the space, you will get some customers. You're just going to kind of be picking up crumbs (laughs) as you get lucky. You're not going to have that key differentiator that people are like, oh my gosh blue tick's the only one to do this or blue tick does this the best or blue tick, you know, what are you really known for? What's your, it's positioning, right? And so, yeah, in your shoes, I would try to get an idea of the entire landscape, you know, of all the competitors, the big ones, the small ones, the funded, the unfunded, and just whether you have a mental model of it or a, or a mind map or, notes on a whiteboard, whatever it is, try to sketch out how are they positioned and how can you try to find feature differentiations?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely have some thoughts on those. The, the issue that I think I struggle with there is that most of the things that I think would be great to be able to to include or package into Bluetech that would be those differentiators are things that are going to require technical heavy lifting in order to implement. And I'm not, I don't know, it's hard to justify spending the time and effort there without Solid data to kind of back it up, and that data is hard to come by without doing it and then seeing if it works, so to speak. No, I would agree with that. So I don't know, it's exploration, I guess. I, I definitely think I have to talk to some of my customers a little bit more, though. Yeah,
0: that's what it sounds like. More research to be continued. I'd love to talk about your marketing hire because that sounds cool, but I, ha- I have another call I have to jump on. So I got I have to end it here to the groans of of both me and and the listeners. You know, but there's one other thing I actually want to ask about. What was your low point over the past month? Because it sounds like everything's going up and to the right in general. Things have been good. You're in good spirits. You have good answers. You're you're thinking about this stuff. But what was the hardest moment or the lowest point in the past since we spoke last, which I think was about three or four
1: weeks ago? I would say just making the decision to make certain changes. And I think that it's the inertia of not moving just yet. So it's like when you have an idea of like, oh, this is how I want to solve this problem or these are the things that I need to do, where do you even start? And so like in terms of inertia, I mean, the past couple of weeks, I've been getting up at five o'clock in the morning on average and going to the gym. That's usually the first thing I've done. I've exercised three times today. If that gives you any indication, I was at the gym at like before five o'clock and then I went for a one mile walk. And then after that, later on, I went for a two mile walk. And it's just like... I'm making some pretty dramatic changes and I feel like they're going well, they're giving me energy and I'm, I'm able to, to get those things done, which I've never really put a lot of emphasis on my own personal health in the past. But those first four or five days of doing that was just brutally hard. It was really, really hard to just get started. And now that I've been doing it for a little while, it's not a habit yet, by no means or no stretch of the imagination, but I think it's on its way there. And I'd really like to keep seeing that continue.
0: Awesome, man. Thanks again for, yeah, for taking the time to come and update us and I'll talk to you again in a few weeks.
1: All right. Sounds great.
0: Thanks again to Mike for coming back on the show. It's kind of fun to have him pop in, you know, almost almost like a guest now and again. I wanted to remind you, if you've been considering potentially becoming part of Tiny Seed's second batch, head over to tinyseed.com and enter your email address, or if you just want to keep up with, with what we're doing, it's a nice, you know, nice way to do it. We don't email very often, and we will be emailing about news like this when the batch opens November 1st of this year. And again, if you have a question for the show that you'd like to hear answered on air, you can leave us a voicemail at 888-801-9690, or you can email questions at startupsfortherestofus.com. You can enter that as text or attach an MP3. Our theme music is an excerpt from We're Out of Control by Moot. It's used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us anywhere, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, Google Podcasts, by searching for Startups. And visit startupsfortherestofus.com for a full transcript of each episode, although it looks like the transcripts are about two episodes behind, so sometimes they're not up right away. But we do link out to all the links that we talk about during the show, and we have some show notes there. And as I talked about last episode, we do have a nice new site design. So if you haven't checked that out, head over to startupsfortherestofus.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.